it's little things that, you know, we, we talked about last week about finding worth and your self-worth and things, but for you this morning, that wherever you are in your walk with God, somebody has devalued you, you and decredited your worth, and you said, I wonder if God has ever missed me. He loves you. And I'll tell you, you may not be in the present, in the presence of, of knowing he's next to you, but I will tell you, no matter where you go and whatever road you're on today, he loves you and he's missed you and he's telling you to come back this morning. Last week we discussed the woman with this charm bracelet, 10 coins. It was a diary. It was what someone had set her worth and somewhere in this, in this mix of the hustle and bustle of life that this, in Luke chapter number 15, this trilogy, the second story of the trilogy of something that's lost, somehow she loses this in her house. And we talked about this. It's God's job to save our hearts. It's our job to save our brains. And what happens is that, we, that somebody gave her, this is what you're worth to me. And these 10 coins represented her entire worth that someone else has set for her. Now, in that story, which is a great thing because that we, we went through the long process of, of, of silver and redemption and ransom money and all this stuff, but, and she kind of realized, she said this to, to the fact of that I need every single piece of token that someone said about me that was positive and valuable if I'm going to survive. And so we went through this process last week about that we've lost it somewhere, but no one's ever taken it. It's just buried within the rubble of our own heart and our own mind. God says a certain thing about you, and then somebody comes along and sets another price tag, and you bleed the second. And so if you're not careful, then you start, you know, God's not here to salvage us. He's here to save us. So someone setting a value and a price on your head is not that bad as long as it's God that's setting it. But boy, how soon we found out in life that through bitter divorces and bad relationships and broken relationships that someone says, I wish you were never born. You were, or you were a mistake to marry you. I wish I never experienced you as a friend. And we go through this whole process because what they've done is they have devalued and they have belittled our self-worth. So for a few moments this morning, and when I say the few moments for you visiting, that means absolutely nothing to me, a few moments. It's just something that I say. But this morning that the widow woman, she found her own worth. As a matter of fact, she went and told all of her friends about it. And the question this morning is this, that what is your worth or our worth as children of God? And do we have a worth? And the answer is yes. As a matter of fact, that it is so important that we're, we're going to talk about a few things about this that we said last week that he says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we understand there's a little twist to that, but no wonder your neighbor doesn't love you because you don't love yourself. Now, in the Greek, there's four words for love, and we're not going to get into any of those. Now, when he says love your neighbor yourself, it doesn't mean like, it doesn't mean in the love that you're thinking about. It has a moral respect for. Decency. 
And even though your neighbor, the guy sitting beside you, you say, I know you're not perfect and you don't, you don't get everything right, but you know, I like you. I love you. Jesus, John 21, Peter, do you even like me? He said, you know I love you. I just mess up all the time. How in the world can we love one another if we don't love ourselves? Here's the answer. You can't. Freely that you receive, freely give. How can you give out if you don't have anything? The greatest lesson you'll learn this morning is when we learn to love and morally respect ourselves in spite of what we've done. Because what I've done is not indicative of who I am. Do you understand that? What you've done is not indicative of who you are in Christ. I'm usually a good driver, but every once in a while I'll fall asleep like Mike Phillips and run off the road, but that's not usually who I am. So I found this, it's called, I found this, this was 2020, in the Medical Futurist. It's a little article they wrote. Watch this. What, the price on the human body. Now this is, a, this is a, a healthy, healthy body. All right? So for you to say to yourself, well, I'm not worth much and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not that big of a deal. Listen. Nay, nay. Be careful what you say. Because now then you're going against the opinion of what God says about you. And if we're going to be a church, which we are, and if we're going to be Christians, which we are, then I think it's very important that we need to follow the principles of what the Word of God says. Are we together on this? If we're not, this is an Amway meeting. A Tupperware party, if you would. And I don't like it. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm going to believe what God says about me. I really don't care what you say about me. I'm going to believe what God says about me. You can all jump off this building. I don't care. God says all these things about me, and I'm going to believe that in spite of the dumb things that I do on days in with why. Are you with me? I'm talking about you, not me. But anyway, besides that, the price tag in human body for him, number one, a heart is worth a million dollars if it's healthy. The liver is worth 500000 Now, this is give or take like $10. Five sixty, kidneys are worth two seventy five. The eyeballs are fifteen hundred each, and that would be two. The stomach is worth seven hundred fifty dollars if it's healthy. And this was what was funny: healthy skin is worth ten dollars an inch. So, being a carpenter that I am, I went and got my tape measure. And I started measuring my body and my calculator blew up. <laughs> Healthy skin that can be grafted from a human body is worth $10 a square inch. Some of you are worth a lot of money. <laughs> so I, I went to the old Google and I said, how much? I know how much. They said the total worth of a healthy living body, the organism and all the chemical stuff inside is worth about $45 million. Danny, I mean, these guys, Doc Ron knows, they're doctors, they know a health of everything that's inside the human body that can be sold. Not, this is not the black market either. There is a black market. 45 million. 45 million. And here you go around kicking yourself, degrading yourself. Now, I looked all these up on Dane Dvorak, and his was worth 19.95. That's all he was worth. But healthy, normal bodies is worth 45 
million. So, I like that. Don't you like the Antique Roadshow? I hate it sometimes because they drag in something. I said, oh, we used to have one of those. They'll drag in stuff, and they guess where you get it? I bought it at a garage sale. What'd you get for it? $15? How long have you had it? Oh, about 30, 40 years. It's worth about a half a million dollars. You see? At the garage sale, somebody priced it $15. But the guys I knew priced it at half a million. What price tag are you operating your life under? And just because you've had a broken marriage and broken dreams and everything gone wrong, don't allow these things to, to symbolically and spiritually and mentally Set the price tag on your life. Your life is worth a bunch, not only physically, but everything to God. And once you do that, you'll start acting there. So a matter of fact, here we go. What kind of things do we say about ourselves? And do we speak well, or are we our biggest critics? And does it really matter? And yes, it really matters. What do you say about yourself? What are you saying about... Forget about gossip about someone else. What are you saying about yourself? And I'm not talking about what we talked about last week. I'm not talking about walking around arrogance and pride and haughtiness. We, we fight that. I'm just telling you, what do you say about yourself? Are you speaking what God says about you? Do you have this sense of moral decency and respect about you as God sees you? And so if we're going to talk about this. Or are you your biggest critic? Don't answer any of those. And so what happens is I'm trying to get you in a place before you, can be, before you can be effective to your neighbor. You've got to have a sense of moral worth inside you. Because if you don't have it, you're no good to anyone else. And I'm going to tell you right now, right now, if you need some cash, like J.G. Wentworth's God, listen, there's some people in church that don't have any, but I'm loaded somewhere. My wife will loan you money. She's got it. Your neighbors, the people you're sitting by, the people you work with, they're spiritually and morally and emotionally bankrupt. They may be looking for somebody that's got some worth, self-worth about them. Not pride, not arrogancy, not haughtiness, but a sense of moral pride that God loves me and I've learned to respect myself and love myself and out of that, that I can love others as God loves me. Simple. I told this a long time ago. I told a couple times, but here, here it is. What, somewhere? 20 years ago, a lady evangelist come to this church. She was probably in her 60s. And she hung around here for a while, for about three or four or five months, real quiet woman, kind of sits on back road, skid road. And, and she'd come in and come in and blah, blah, blah. And then Gayla said, she came to Sunday school, she said she used to be an evangelist. And I said, wonderful. And that's about all I knew about her. So she, Gayla said, well, she's, she's leaving. I said, well, wonderful. And I didn't mean anything by it. I, I never talked to her. And so she said she left you a present. I said, did she? I said, what is it? She said, you ought to go see it. So Conrad, I went to my office. It's 25 years ago, and there's a box about that tall, and I pulled it out, and it's the ugliest-looking vase you've ever seen in your life. It's that tall. It's yellow and brown. got some nasty-looking flowers sticking out of it. And I said, what is this? She goes, she wanted to give you a vase. And I said, is this a joke? She said, nope. So I pulled out the box, and I set it on my desk. And matter of fact, the downstairs desk, and it's about this tall, and some of you know this story, but some of you don't. 
So, so it sat there for a year and a half. I let the kids play with the daycare. Some of them carried around and stuck crickets in it. And I said, well, bring it back when you're through with it. They take it to the playground, put dirt in it. They bring it back to me and all kinds of things. So one day we went to San Antonio. And we went to, to an antique shop or a junk shop. Or I was drug in that place. But, but, but in the store windows, Herman, it had a storefront windows. And Gaina says, there's your vase. And it's just full of junk. Kind of looked like hoarders lived there. And sure enough, it was a mini-me. It was the same color, same shape, same flowers, same petals, same everything about that tall. It was adorable. Looked like one of them midget Shetland ponies. And I said, I want it. I got to have it. So I go in there, and, and so I asked the lady. She looked like a school librarian. I said, uh, I'd like to have that ugly vase in the front. She said, excuse me. I said, that one that's kind of yellow and flowery, the ugly one. So she walks up there, and she says, well, it's not that ugly. And I said, well, I want it. I said, I got one at home like it. So she brings it up, and she's wrapping up. She said, would they be cash or card? I said, oh, cash. Mr. Binspicker, big spender's right here, brother. I said, how much is it? She said, $6.95. I said, no problem, low. So I whipped out a tin. I laid it down there. She's wrapping something, and she just looks at me. And she said, well, it's a little more than that. Uh, and I thought, well, Alfred, I didn't know you then or I'd have called you. And so I said, well, how much is tax here? <laughs> and so now then the glasses come to the end of the nose. And she said, it's $695. Hmm? And I said, is that a joke? She said, it's capital money. And I said, I didn't know Del Monte made bases. That's what I told her. You know, she's dealing with a real winner here, you know. And I said, ma'am, she turned it up. So I said, ma'am, I got, now my heart's quit. I forgot how to breathe. And I'm thinking, which one of them knuckleheads at daycare has got in the sandbox? That's what I'm thinking. And I said, I got one like that. It's about that tall. And she looked and she goes, where is it? And now I'm in panic. So I get on the phone, and, and I buy it. I don't buy it. I get on the phone, and I, and I call one of the guys at church. I said, where are you? And he said, well, I'm, I'm right in the middle of arresting somebody. I said, let him go. Go to the church. He was a police officer. I said, go to the church and lock my office, make sure my vase is there. And so he, go, he said, what's wrong? I said, don't ask questions, just go. Turn on the red lights, Barney, and go. Just get there. When I found out what it was worth, she says worth three times 25 years ago what 695 was. When I found out what it was worth, I took better care of it. See, some of you, and I'm not even looking at you, but some of you have been devalued and degraded for so long, you're letting people trash you out. They're dumping all kinds of crickets and sand and, and litter box material and somebody said, well, you're not worth anything. You've been married once, twice, three times, and all that stuff. And you did this, and you filed bankruptcy nine times, and blah, 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 blah. You're really not worth anything, and you lived up to their expectations. Until somebody come along and said, you know what you're worth to God? The life of his own son. What? And when you realize this morning how much you're really worth to God, you'll start treating yourself a little bit better. Quit writing graffiti on the walls of your heart because it doesn't belong to you anymore. 
Quit tearing up your epidermis on the outside because it doesn't belong to you anymore. You've been bought with the price of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It doesn't belong to you. Quit destroying the temple of God because it no longer belongs to you. He bought and paid for you. Start treating the temple of God, your body, a little bit better because you're worth a lot. And I'm not worth no more than you are. And, I, and my square inches of skin may be exactly the same size to you, but I'll tell you one thing. When you understand this principle that what you have done in the past it does not represent who you are, you will start speaking to yourself a little kinder. You'll start adjusting your attitude to yourself a little kinder. And in doing so, my friend, you'll start treating other people with love and respect. It's impossible to respect other people if you do not respect yourself. This is better than you're responding, and hopefully you're in shock. So the idea of this morning is this is where we begin. So Philemon, or if you're going to call it Philemon, but I call it Philemon 1.6. Now watch this. He says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Wow, thank you for that applause. Here's the Bible lesson. That the communication of your faith, the expressing of your faith. See, there is a difference in the Bible between the faith and your faith. The faith is the word of God. The faith is the, everything that God has said. And it becomes your faith when you incorporate the faith into your life. So he says the communication of thy faith. It doesn't mean your own personal agenda, views, and opinions. All that stuff can be taken to the trash. When it says thy faith, it means the faith of God, the faithfulness of God, the uprightness of God, the righteousness of God. Everything about God has now been incorporated into you. Now then what you're doing is that you're releasing and expressing everything that God has said about you. Oh, baby. Don't make me take you back to kindergarten 101. You understand what I'm telling you? It becomes personal. And if Jesus can't be real to you, he cannot be real through you. So the word of God that he says about we're righteous and we're holy and all these things, now then, that, that's what he said. That is his faith or faithfulness. But now then, it becomes integrated into your life. And so now that it, it's you personally. So in my Bible, I got a couple of them, but I got one I really like. I'll go through there and when you say thee and thou, I'll write my name in it. I'll make it personal. Write in it. Write your name in it. For God so loved Jody that he gave the whole world that Jody could do this. Write your, don't write Jody, but write your name in it. And it becomes personal and you'll start reading on a personal basis. For God said he's not his son to, to condemn Jody. But Jody through him might receive eternal life. These things, it, that's what it means, the communication of your faith. The problem is this. The word communication is where we get a word and it's a great word, but it's where we get a word for energeo or energy. It means the activated. Anybody ever here, I know you have, but you bought a cell phone? You got a cell phone? You're all liars. You got a cell phone? Two-year-olds got a cell phone. Got a cell phone? Raise your hand. Thank you. But how many know you can go get a cell phone, but it's no good to you until you activate it? So you get a brand new cell phone fill up and you go, oh, look here, I got a brand new cell phone. Oh, that's nice. That's wonderful. Well, call me sometime. Well, I would, but it's not activated. Uh, here's the next question. Well, why don't you get it activated? Well, I don't know. The communication of your faith, I got Jesus in me. I love God. 
But what are you doing with it? And this is where it's going to get serious. Because what happens is, is to let the communication of your faith be activated. Let it be turned on. Let it find its function in life. Because a cell phone that is not as activated is only good to throw a catch crossing the road. That's all it's good for. But when it's activated, it can serve a great purpose. And some of us as believers, if we're not careful, that we, we think it's all about right here within these yellow walls, and it's not. We're to come in here, we are to worship God, honor God, love one another, and we are, we are called to go out and make a difference. We are called to go out and activate or communicate what's been activated in our life. How can we put up with ordinary people? Because the love of God has been activated in my life. How can I go through this life with joy and happiness? It's because the love of God has been activated in my life. See? Some of you need to get this. I know you're here. But I want it to be activated in your life. I know you got the owner's manual in front of you, but I want the love of God and the peace of God and the joy of God and the life of God to be activated by the Spirit of God that when you leave here, somebody says, I don't know what there is about you, but evidently you're, you're different. Because the Spirit of God has activated the communication. It's energized my life. So how is it that we can become energized or activated? Watch this. How can we become activated? And so the first thing you're going to say is, well, I'll come there and let the preacher pray over me. That is not the right answer. I'll, I'll wear a black shirt and a, and a blue suit, and I'll, I'll learn to play the piano. That's not, that's not how it works. So how is it that we energize or we get energized to go out and, and witness to the world? What causes us to become activated that our communications are making a difference in the life of other people? And here's the answer. that we acknowledge every good thing that is in us because of Christ. Now let that sit there for a moment. So what's the difference between me going out and witnessing to, to someone that needs to know Jesus and you, and if you're not careful, if you're just an unactivated phone, I'm saying you're going to go to heaven. I'm just telling you you're not turned on. If you're not careful, you're going to say, well, that's my job. Hey, hang on a minute. We're all called in the full-time ministry. Amen. The way that we become activated, turned on, lit up with a spiritual hemi is that we begin the process of acknowledging every good thing that Christ has done in us. <laughs> now, let's look at the word acknowledge. Acknowledge is epinosis. Epinosis is to be well educated in a certain field of study. The word gnosis or gnostic is, is a word for knowledge or information. Epi means beside it, and it means standing beside it in multiple layers. So it, it means that it has a tremendous amount of, of wealth of layers of knowledge. All right? 
And basically it means it's a professional on a certain subject. It's really a professor in a certain field of information. For you, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, one of the greatest motivators, one of the greatest activators for us going out and make a difference, and I, I'm not even going to look at you, okay? I'm not even going to look at you. But when's the last time you left here and you found someone that needs to know Jesus? When's the last time that you left church on a Sunday morning driving down the road and maybe you saw someone in the restaurant that, that you knew that there was something going on, maybe the Holy Spirit said, just go talk to them or, or, or just something. When's the last time that you did that? And some of, some of us, it's been weeks, months, even years because that we've been so concerned about the Holy Trinity of me, myself, and I. And so your enemy will say, well, who are you? <laughs> Everybody knows you're the biggest loser in the world. They know who you are. So what I'm getting at is the fact I, I'm wanting to do something to you this morning that will cause you to rise up and not just because you're here. I want you to change your world. Let's go home and change our house, and let's go change our world. Well, how are we going to do that? It's very easy. We are professors. We are geniuses in the field of what Christ has done, already done, in my life. Nobody is better at being you than you. And the way you get activated is this, is you start acknowledging everything that Christ has done for you in your life in spite of your wrong turns and, and running over trash cans. He's still faithful. In spite of my stupidity, he's still gracious. All these things that we do wrong, but he still makes it good in our life. Yeah. Right. So I, I told somebody today, this is the gospel. Here it is. We, we got a mixed crowd. So in John chapter 4, what time is it? Oh, in John chapter 4, he meets this woman at the well. She's been married a few times, and she's dragging a bucket around, and she's looking. You know, it's kind of like... The, this bucket business, you know, really, I don't mean this to be disrespectful. I would never say anything to hurt my feelings, my wife's feelings. But when we first got married, you know, we first got married, you know, oh, my, you know, you know how guys were, you know. We, we and, she, you know, she'd be cleaning the house, and she said, you're so big and strong. Would, would, would you take out the trash? <laughs> Honey, for you, the moon. She said, well, I put some extra stuff in it. Pay attention, Jeffrey. I put, some, I put a little extra stuff in there, and it's a little heavy. I said, that is no problem. That's my job I'm on, and don't, don't you strain anything. I need you. I need you to be good. So, boy, I grabbed that. I said, oh, yeah, it's, it's a little heavy, whatever it was, you know. And I said, you know, I, I said, and I walked by, I said, feel that. She goes, ooh, man. And, I, you know, I'd go on, and I'd be outside about 10 minutes, come back, and, She's run the vacuum. She's got the couch with one hand and she's vacuum. She's, you know. She's messing with me. You know, Don Dixon. John Foy's talking to the woman. This this about empty bucket. She's really trolling. She's just really trolling. She don't need nobody to help her get water. She's just trolling. And uh, they go through this discourse and, and he looks at her and said this. She said, ma'am, the Messiah that you're looking for, I am he. 
She was bankrupt, Jeff. She was abused, misused. She was, she was bankrupt mentally, spiritually, physically. She's bankrupt. And when she heard that, him say that, she immediately went and spoke eight words to change all Samaria. Come see a man that told me all that I ever did. Eight words to change the whole stinking county. I preach for an hour and a half. Can't even get you to say amen. She preached eight words and everybody gets saved. I'm still mad about that. <laughs> and Jesus steps into Nazareth, takes a scripture, and he said, everything in the synagogue, he said, everything that Isaiah has spoken in your ears is fulfilled today. And they jumped up, and the Bible says they wanted to throw him off the cliff. See, this morning, it's according to where you are, how you will respond to the kingship of Christ. If you're bankrupt and you're mentally broke and you're broke down to all these things, when he said, I'm him, I'm your healer, I'm your provider, I'm your first, I'm your last, you, you will go out and you'll tell everybody, Jesus is king. But when you get to a place where you feel like you're religiously can do it on your own, you will, you will despise anyone that will, will declare God's word over the counsel of men and philosophy. You understand that? So, this morning, as a professors, we need to be geniuses. You see the word every good thing? That's a Greek word called agathos. That's a baby's goodness. Now, that'll bust your bubble. If you, if you got pride and arrogancy here, you're in the wrong place. Because you're not that good. You're not that holy. We're not that perfect. I learned to acknowledge every good thing that's in me because of Christ. This is the deal. There is a difference between the, a child's innocence, his complexion, her complexion versus Someone that's 80 years old that's had a makeup artist work on them. You'll get that later on. You'll wake up and realize what I said. See, what happens is we become geniuses of being makeup artists. We, we think it's us and we did this and we did this and we did that. And I'll tell you, when you really realize that on our own or by ourselves, we're going to mess things up. So the good thing it means is nothing that you've accomplished with your talent or skill and all your wisdom. All I need to do when you start handing out your wisdom is pull up my britches leg because it's fixing to get deep. I'm telling you, if there's any good thing about me, it's because Jesus' love and his grace is in my life. It's just pure and it's just innocent. And, and Paul, the Apostle Paul said, it is not me, but it's Christ that is in me that's making the difference. How did you get to be so happy? Well, I went to seminary and then I did that and I joined that church and I baptized, blah, blah. Listen, that's all makeup tree and artistry. That's covering up all the wrinkles of what you've done. And this is the idea, acknowledging every good thing that's in me, agathos, it means a baby's goodness. A baby really don't do anything. He poo, coos, and other things. Woos. But there's just something about looking at him. There's a, a sense of innocence and honesty. The way you become activated is this. You really look of what Christ has done inside of you in spite of everything you're trying to prove him wrong. 
God's done some great things in your life. Agree? And it's not because you got it right, it's because he got it right. And I said this to Philip Norton, he's going to be great, you're going to be a great man of God, you and Rachel are going to be great, great people of God, and it's not because you got it figured out, you'll never get it figured out. You figured out, you can never get it figured out, you figured out that only Christ has got it figured out. So just let Christ be great in you. Amen. 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 So two things, the knowledge of what and the professor of what, of what field of facts. Here's the field of facts that you've got to learn. Number one, what does God say that we are? Or who does God say we are? Number two, what Christ has already accomplished in my life. And number three, of all the treasures of God's truth that now gives our life worth and value. You want to get energized? You want to go make a difference somewhere? Have an honest conversation. Look in the mirror when nobody's around. And say, God, you've done some great things in my life. And I'm very thankful for it. The gospel is really about one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is. So there's two things. Number one, never under or overestimate the value of your need or service in the body of Christ. Don't ever do that. Number one, don't ever overestimate yourself. Romans 12 and 3, it says this, don't, don't think yourself more highly than you ought to. Number one, don't say things like, this Christian doesn't play well with others. See, anytime you overestimate your importance, you're setting yourself up for failure. So you may not admit it, but this is your mentality. I'm just a little bit better than them. And this section over here, you're really a lot better than that section over there. And I just don't play well with them. Number two, it's my way or the highway. Number three, God has got to be thrilled because I decided and I chose him. They may not say it. But when you overestimate yourself, you'll say things like this. Woo, did you hear me sing this morning? Anybody hear me sing on that piano? Oh, I bet God was really thrilled when I started singing. I don't think thrilled was the right word, but besides that. So don't overestimate yourself. You're not that big a deal. It's okay. But number two, don't underestimate yourself. Don't make the other mistake. Number one, it says this, Zechariah 4, it says, don't underestimate small beginnings. Number one, don't say things like, I'm just a greeter at the door. I've said this a thousand times. Leave that up here. I've said it a thousand times. Whoever greets at the door, Brother Neil, Brother Philip, they've already formed an opinion about this church way before they hear me preach. Long before they heard Brad sing or Catherine sing, they've already got an opinion of this church when they walk in the door by the person that greets them at the door. Instead of saying, I'm glad you're here, you say, oh, you're back. That's not the way we talk to people. Welcome. We're glad you're back. 
Pardon my stupidity, but my name is this, and I know you've been here, but we are so glad you're... Matter of fact, we were shocked yesterday at Safe Fair. This guy said, we are glad you're here. And I thought, man, that's a shock. If nobody's told you that this morning, you know what? Gail and I are glad you're here. I don't know where everybody else is. They're lost. We're glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Number two, I just serve communion. I just serve communion. You go to church here? I do. What do you do? I serve communion. If there's any job in this church that is the greatest job in this church, it's serving communion. Take it from a guy that's broken. Take it from a guy who's raised in a family that was constantly fussing and fighting and broken. My mind was broken. My self-respect was broken. My self-esteem was broken. My plans were broken. Take it from a guy that absolutely you could put all my life in a bag because it was in pieces until I met Christ. He became broken. That I could be whole. the body of Christ. I just pick up dead crickets under the pew. This section over here, it's not because you're plagued like Moses' time. There's crickets that comes under that door. So a long time ago, this is true. Certain time of year, the crickets come in. They come in right at that door. And so we kind of make a cricket collection. We, we, we do our very best on Sunday mornings to get them up, blah, blah, blah. And, and for whatever reason, we had somebody in charge of that, and I forgot who it was. But anyway, they didn't think it was a big deal until one Sunday morning, nobody picked up the crickets, and there was a live one and jumped on some woman's leg, and revival broke out. Oh, baby. I mean, she went to squalling and screaming and stomping and jumping. Then I thought we thought Day of Pentecost was reenacted. It wasn't the Holy Ghost; it was just a cricket. So we try to pick up all the cricket. You know why? Because I mean, it's just it's just little things. Thank you. It's like saying something like this. We talked about this. Let's go. I'm just a steering wheel. I'm just the brake pedal. If you ride a motorcycle, that one's pretty important. I'm just the lug nut that holds the wheel on. I'm just the airbag that nobody ever notices me. What? Where would we go without a steering wheel? Where would we end up without a brake pedal? How can we continue to make forward progress if it wasn't for you? My goodness, in times of accidents, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here today. You are important. You're not just a door greeter. You're not just a guy that picks up crickets. You're not the person that just sits there. You have a great value and importance here. Without you, we could not go forward. So God says that we are forgiven, 
We are righteous. We are healed. And we are prosperous. And we are ready to run this race. So this morning, my whole objective before we go on any further in a week or so is to remind you, you have tremendous work. You're very valuable. And whatever price tax someone has set on you, tear it up this morning. Because God says you're righteous, you're forgiven, you're healed, you're prosperous. He says you're mine. And Alfred, I choose to live it under that price tag. And when I can regain and claim some self-worth and value about myself, I'm eagerly to give it to Brother Dan, to give it to Brother Neil, to give it to Brother Philip, because there's a wealth that lives in me because, listen, because I'm a genius of knowing the, all the good things that Christ has accomplished in my life. Father, this morning that some has completely run out of gas sitting on the side of the road. Nowhere to go, no one to call. Their whole life they have been devalued. You'll never make it. You'll never amount to anything. I wish you were not even born. You'll spend the rest of your life in prison. Someone will put you into an early grave because there's nothing that's good in you. You'll never amount to anything. At home, by yourself, you look into the mirror and you begin to review and rewind all the bad experiences that is not only self-induced, but someone has perpetrated your life. As you begin to take off your clothes, you see all the scars and the wounds, that not only in your body, but your mind and your emotions. And you've lost your spiritual will to go forward. You can't help anybody because you can't even help yourself in this condition. But God has sent me here this morning to tell you, to inform you or maybe to remind you. It's not what someone has said about you that's important. It's what God has said about you. And you need to quit living your life under the price tag machine of other people that constantly love to degrade you and devalue you. You are righteous. You are forgiven. You're prosperous. You are the son of the Most High. You are daughter of the King. So Father, this morning, let us begin the process of going through our heart and our mind and throwing out all the rubbish and the debris, things that have suffocated and stifled our, our spiritual walk and our spiritual growth. And we're going to start taking inventory of all the good things that you have accomplished in our lives. Every good thing that, that you have done for us. 
that's going to catapult us into the future. And not only will it help us and help our mind, but it's going to help our neighbors because once we get a true sense of worth and value of ourselves, of what we mean to you, then we can't hardly wait, as the woman in Luke 15, we can't hardly wait to go find our friends and our neighbors and tell them as well. And so for that, Father, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God said amen. Stand with me if you would, please. COVID's kind of over. Just take somebody by the hand if you want to, or pinky, or I don't care what you do. Some of you said, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just the doorkeeper. I'm, I just watch children's church. I, I just, I don't do anything but meet people and love people. And my goodness, without you, this church wouldn't be what it is. You're very valuable to us. And I'm so thankful that you chose to come and help us make progress in the kingdom of God. Thank you. Two thousand years ago, our Lord sat with his disciples as the communion service will come. These men were absolutely bankrupt. Mentally, physically, spiritually. And the king that had it all was about to do what we do this morning is serve communion. It is out of the abundance of the superior gives to the needs of the inferior. Jesus had it all and he gave it to them. They didn't bring anything. They didn't have anything. He had it all. Nothing's different than today. So this morning, as we begin to take a reevaluation of, of our lives and, and, and going forward, he really wants us to change our world. But we can't do it without the activation of our faith. And that cannot happen until we take an inventory of all the good things that Christ has done for us. So he took the bread and he blessed and he said, this is my body that was broken for you. Your broken dreams, your broken lives, your broken hearts, just your brokenness, broken homes. Jesus became broken that you could be whole. And he took the cup and he lifted it up and he said, this cup is symbolic of my blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of your sins. The righteousness of God became the sin offering that we could be forgiven. Father, bless this cup and bless this bread. And for every person that is serving Holy Community this morning will understand the importance and value of their ministry. In Jesus' name, amen.